five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hello, space enthusiasts. Welcome to another episode of the Space Business Podcast where we investigate all the exciting ways in which people participate in the new space economy by conversations with entrepreneurs, executives, investors and other members of the space family. My name is Raphael Rodkin and I'm an investor in and advisor to space companies. Just as a reminder, this podcast is for informational purposes only and nothing should be taken as investment advice. This podcast is sponsored by Nanoavionics a satellite bus manufacturer and mission integrator. Their satellite technologies enable many space companies worldwide to offer services that improve life here on Earth, such as providing global connectivity, conducting Earth observation for various purposes, or contributing to scientific discoveries. Check them out and also check out my episode with their CEO and co-founder. Sadly, I am not a rocket scientist, but I'm an alumnus of the International Space University, or ISU, which is also our partner in this podcast. ISU offers a number of educational programs about space worldwide, ranging from executive courses lasting a few days all the way to a one-year master's. Check them out at isunet.edu. So I thought we needed an episode on space opportunities in Africa. That might strike you as surprising at first, because Africa does not yet have prominent unicorn space startups like we have in the US, Europe or Asia. But just think of all the potential use cases of space technology in Africa, whether it's for example remote sensing or satellite communications. I found the perfect person to speak to about this. Tamidayo Onyoshun, the founder and managing director of Space in Africa, a market research firm dedicated to, well, as the name says, Space in Africa. Please enjoy our conversation and perhaps get inspired, like me, about all the good things space could do in Africa. Hi everybody, I'm joined today by Temidayo Unioshon from Space in Africa. Hey Temidayo, how are you doing? Good, how about you? Very good, thank you very much. So Temidayo, your company is called Space in Africa, and so I was wondering, what, what is Space in Africa? Uh, thank you. Uh, Space in Africa is an analytics and consulting company focusing on the African space and satellite industry. So we've been around since 2018, and you know, since then we've worked with uh, different national space agencies, different, you know, research institutions and commercial space players in the African space and satellite industry. Value. Okay, and how, how did you originally decide to, to set up a space consulting company? I've been working in the space industry for about seven years. Before I started the company, I was with uh, Space Generation Advisory Council. I was the regional coordinator for Africa for about three years. And then before then, I was a research scientist at the, at the Center for Space Research and Applications at the Federal University of Technology at Pure. You know, during that period, the university was working on a CubeSat project. That was Nigeria's first uh, nanosatellite. I was part of the project. And before that, I was working at the Strategic Space Applications Department of the Nigerian Space Agency. So, you know, I've been around the space industry for a couple of years now. And I remember in 2017, I was in Colorado Springs for the Space Symposium, that's like an annual conference that is being held at Colorado Spring every year. And, you know, I was I was really excited about what was going on in Africa. And I was, you know, trying to engage people, 
you know, to understand like what they think about Africa and how African countries are actually using space technologies and all of that. But I, I, I saw that the information gap was really wide. You know, people didn't even know there were existing space programs in Africa. And, and I saw that as, you know, a huge gap and opportunity. It's like a lot of business opportunities in the industry, so many use cases. And so that was, you know, why I set up uh, Space in Africa to like bridge this gap. So initially when we started, you know, we were sharing information on the industry, we we're reporting news stories. And then we move on from there to doing analytics for different segments of the industry and then consult. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And is your is your uh, educational background related to space as well? Like, for example, are you an engineer or...? Or did you get into space in the first place? Yeah, my uh, my bachelor's degree was in satellite meteorology, and my master's degree was in satellite applications from the University of Strathclyde in Glasgow. So yes, my background is very related to space industry. Okay, so that, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so let's try to do what we can in the 45 minutes we have so here to help close a little bit the information gap on, on space in Africa. And I must admit, I myself, I also don't, don't know enough about space in Africa. So let's talk a little bit about the current state of space in Africa. And why don't we start, for example, you, you mentioned national programs and, and space agencies. Like, wh- what is there in Africa? Like, what are the, you know, who are the prominent space agencies and what are they doing? Do they have big budgets? Uh, are they doing missions and, and, and so on? Yeah, so, I mean, African countries have been, you know, developing space technologies for about 21 years now. And then the first satellites built by um, by an African institution was launched like 21 years ago. So, you know, most of, and then we have like space agencies that have been in existence for, for about 20 years in Africa. So uh, it's not a recent thing. Um, African countries have been capitalizing on space technologies for a very long time. And up till today, we we have about 20 countries in Africa with some sort of space program. So some of them have already established space agencies. Some of them are in the process of setting up a space agency. Some of them have existing, you know, space research centers that they're looking at upgrading to a space agency in the future. So different countries have like varying levels of development when it comes to space technologies. And up to date, um, about 43 satellites have been launched by African institutions. Out of that 43 satellites, 40 satellites were built by 11 countries. Why three of those satellites were like multilateral projects where countries came together to work on the technology or to like finance the technology. We have countries that have, uh, you know, capacity to develop their technologies from scratch. We have countries that are working with like foreign institutions to acquire some of these technologies. But generally, uh, many of these countries are making use of satellite data for applications in different industries. The African space industry is generally uh, focused on space applications. So that's capitalizing on space technology. So whether it is satellite communica- uh, communication, satellite or Earth observation, capitalizing on these technologies, on data from these technologies to address problems in, you know, different sectors and different developmental problems. 
and you know more countries than are investing money in the space program. It is estimated that you know by 2024, the number of African countries that have launched at least one satellite into space is going to rise from 11, which is the current number, to about 20. And it is also estimated that by 2024, the number of satellites launched by African countries will have you know gotten to about 120 from the current 43. This is because a lot of new countries are trying to develop space programs. Countries with existing space programs are, you know, working on replacing their infrastructures and building new infrastructures. There is also a rise in how much these governments are actually spending on the space program. National space budget in Africa in 2018 was about $275 million. Last year, it rose to over $500 million. So that's about 50% increase in national space budget within the space of two, three years. So, you know, more countries are developing space program, more investments are going into this, and generally Africa is, you know, becoming a good destination for space business. And I, I just saw that uh, I think the latest country to announce a new space agency was uh, was Rwanda, if I'm not mistaken. But let's talk a little bit about the um, the, the 43 satellites going to 120 you mentioned as an example. Are those so far mostly government or um, sort of government institution-sponsored satellites or are you also having sort of the start of um, commercial activity? And, and satellites being launched by by companies. So majority of the satellites are you know government owned and government operated satellites. While a few of them, especially some of the communication satellites, are owned and operated by you know commercial companies. An example is NileSat. So NileSat is a Satcom company based in Egypt, and they have the largest fleet of communication satellites in Africa. It's it's now a public company. You know in the past like five years they they average about 118 million dollars in revenue annually and then you've got companies also like nikonsat you know in nigeria that's nigerian communication satellite committed although owned by the nigerian government it's still a commercial company so yeah to answer your question, most of the satellites are owned by and operated by the government, but then we have a few of them that are, you know, commercial satellites. The additional satellites you expect to be launched until 2024, so like when you go from 43 to 120, I assume you expect more commercial activity, right? It's a mix of both. Yes, a lot of, majority of those satellites are for commercial activity. So it, it's a mixture of communication satellites, health observation satellite, technology demonstration satellites. So majority of the technology demonstration satellites and the health observation satellites are owned and operated by, you know, government or like universities and research institutions, while the communication satellites are operated by uh, mostly commercial companies. You mentioned Earth observation and satellite communications, and let's talk about the use cases um, in a little bit. Um, how about GNSS navigation? Do you have is there like something like an African uh, navigation system or maybe a future project? Yes. So we have the Nigerian Communications Satellite Limited has been working with institutions like Thales Alenia, Asetna in the past years to develop Africa's first satellite-based augmentation system. So this is the closest we've had to like a real infrastructure around positioning of navigations in Africa. 
So the SBS system was launched, uh, I think, a couple of months ago. So this is built on the infrastructure of the Nigerian Communications Satellite Limited. Uh, they've got an existing communication satellite, and then they build this SBAS infrastructure on it. So yes, that is the only ongoing project with infrastructures owned by African around positioning and navigation. And then where are those uh, all of those satellites launching from? Are people using all of the usual like launch providers? Is it a mix? Is it sort of concentrated somewhere? And then a follow-on question for that would be, are there plans for having sort of a launch site and capability in Africa? Good question. So none of these satellites were launched in Africa. African countries do not have like existing infrastructures to launch these payloads by themselves. So majority of them were launched from France, US, Russia, Kazakhstan, China, India, and Japan. The most common rockets that are space, most of this payload in space is the Ariane rocket, and then followed by the Long March rocket, and then Falcon 9. So uh, these satellites were launched from like different launch sites globally. It depends on, you know, the partners that these countries are working on or, you know, who is building the technology and things like that. Africa, the closest we've come to having an infrastructure that actually works around rocket launching in Africa is, so we've got South, Af South Africa has a rocket program that is being run through one of the universities and funded by the South African Space Agency. You know, recently they launched one of the rockets that was able to cross the 10 kilometers margin, which has, you know, always been like the, the highest height that a rocket has reached in Africa. So in the future, uh, South Africa is Actually, like South Africa is working on building their own rockets and infrastructures uh, around that. Nigeria also has, um, they have like a center for space propulsion uh, that is based in La uh, Lagos, Nigeria. And this center is also working on building rockets using locally sourced materials. In the past, they've launched a series of experimental rockets. I think all of them are within the 10 kilometers margin. So these are like existing work, but you know, there are like other facilities. So take, for example, Kenya has like an existing facility for, for a launch site. But, you know, they don't own the rocket or anything. They just have like the facility for launch because of past work that, are, that were done there by the Italian government and all. And last year, I think they signed an agreement with Italy for Italy to resume the use of the site while they pay, you know, Kenya a certain amount of money. So that is still ongoing. Um And then, you know, there are also, I think it was like a couple of weeks ago that the uh, was it the Turkish government made announcement? They were the president made some announcement that they were investing a billion dollars uh, to develop some space capability that would involve building a launch site in Somalia. These are like existing projects. Currently, we do not have like uh, you know actual rockets launching actual African payloads into space. Theoretically, it makes a lot of sense with places like Kenya and Somalia basically almost right on the equator so far and and on the water so equatorial launches it would be uh would actually be a very good location exactly okay and how about um other sort of missions and programs and projects that the big the bigger space agencies um in in africa have uh, besides the the satellites is there any thought given for example to to having um you know crew crude launches astronauts at some point in time 
Yes. So, you know, like I said at the beginning of this chat, the African Space Program is mostly geared towards uh, addressing developmental problems in most of these countries. So there are like a lot of space applications projects and very few, you know, space exploration and human space flight projects. I think the closest we've come to exploration and human space flights is a couple of years ago, the Nigerian government announced its plan to launch, to have an astronaut, to launch an astronaut to the moon. And this has always been part of like the national space policy. That's always been one of the objectives of the space agency. However, they've not made a lot of progress on this. And also the Egyptian government is currently also working on having its own astronauts. They are planning to uh, you know, have an Egyptian astronaut being sent to the International Space Station. And they are working on capitalizing on the bilateral agreement and partnership with countries like the UAE and countries like Russia to have an Egyptian astronaut. I think the, the stage they have currently is they are, they're currently at the stage where they're trying to select who is going to be this astronaut. These are like two use cases for, you know, uh, human space flight programs in, in Africa. And, and it's interesting, you, you mentioned, you know, working with the Russians and you mentioned when we were talking about rockets and, and where they launched from you, you some, some of the satellites launched from, from China and done some of the Europeans. I guess, you know, space is obviously sort of a, you know, politicized uh, topic and there are strategic interests. And um, to some extent, you know, there's a, you know, the, the world is dividing itself up a little bit, for example, between the space activities in the U.S. and then the space activities in, in China. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to mix that because you have the connection to the, the national security and the military. Is that impacting the African space activities in any way? Like, or is it good in the sense that actually African countries can can work with everybody. Yeah, so the good thing about Africa is that they can actually work with anyone. Looking at some of the past projects, you will see that African countries are really open to partnership from like any country. So whether it is US, whether it is China, Russia, India, Japan, anyone. Um, and we've had like use cases uh, of like collaborations with, with all of these entities. There are, there are a lot of factors to this. First of all, so they are like, you know, exist existing political relationship between some of these countries, within like African countries and like oh no, oh no, non-African countries. And sometimes they build on this relationship. So take, for example, China has relationship with a lot of African countries and they're capitalizing on that for satellite development. China has worked with countries like Nigeria, like countries like Ethiopia, countries like Sudan to, you know, develop satellite capability. And then you take a look at, you know, a country like Russia that has relationship with countries like Angola and this, like, you know, like they, they've got political relationship and this has extended to, like, space industry. They just capitalize on that. You've got a country like Nigeria with existing you know, long-term relationship with the United Kingdom. You know, they're capitalizing on that to to build technologies and all. So that's that's the way it works. So there's like the existing political relationships that these countries are capitalizing on. And then there are even in cases where the political relationships do not exist, these countries are still working with like other, uh, with non-African countries to develop technological capabilities in the space industry. Terrific. And so you've mentioned a few times now that the, the focus on, in Africa is really on the space applications. So let's let's talk about that. So what, what are the main 
applications that that are being used in in Africa now and or where you see like potential in the future? I mean, for space obligations, it's largely earth observation, got communications, and, you know, we've also got positioning and navigation. You know, whatever industry you can think of, you know, there's like some sort of applications in these, you know, countries in Africa capitalizing on space technologies to address problems in, in all of these industries. So, and this ranges from agriculture to aviation, to constructions, to energy, to insurance, to railroad, to logistics, to even smart cities and utilities. In fact, if you take the sustainable development goals and you pick each of those goals, there are like use cases of African countries actually using space technologies to address problems of each of those goals. Like you take, for example, the first goal, which is no poverty. You've got like projects like the global monitoring of the environment and securities in Africa that is, you know, forecasting physical and biological variables and providing information on ocean processes in Africa that impact fishing and, you know, safety of fishes for like 45 African countries. And then you've got like, you know, companies that are using satellite technology for digital agricultural insurance programs. Some are also combining space technologies with meteorological data for traditional farming knowledge. So, and then you go to like, you know, zero hunger, you know, agencies like the Kenya Space Agency are using Africa Regional Data Cube Project to get insights on farming strategies. Um, you know, companies are using earth observation data to develop sustainable animal feed, to avoid like food shortages, uh, ensure precision agricultures and things like that. So you can take like a lot of these goals, a lot of these problems, and you would always see like a use case for how these countries are capitalizing, whether it's earth observation data or communication, uh, satellite communications uh, data, you know, to like bridge the digital divide. Yeah, in with the 43 satellites you have right now and um, maybe also with other satellites that are not African-owned but that may be sort of, you know, observing Africa, is I mean, is there enough coverage um, of Africa and the sort of, you know, with the sensors you need, whether it's optical or radar or hyperspectral, depending on the use case, or, or do we need more coverage of, of Africa? I think probably there is need for more coverage, but Maybe before that, maybe we should exhaust like the data that we have. So, I mean, for example, there's a lot of freely available data sets for these countries. So take, for example, the African Union Commission has an existing relationship with the European Commission, you know, and through this relationship, they're making available like the entire Copernicus, the EU Copernicus data mm -hmm. for these African institutions. So that's like a huge data set of, yeah. you know, and then, you know, aside from that, there are like a lot of other freely available satellite data available to these countries. And some of them actually have the existing infrastructures to so like some of the countries have earth observation satellites that are still active. Yeah, there is, I think there is a very good coverage already. But then maybe when you go into like specialized data, like, oh, you're looking for radar, uh, you're looking for radar data, you know, maybe there is not enough coverage around that. Yeah, but in terms of communications, in terms of earth observation, I think there's reasonable coverage over Africa. Like in Africa today, there are, so there is countries with communications, uh, you've got like Nigeria, 
you've got Angola, you've got like Algeria, and then you have Egypt. So these are like, you know, four countries in just in Africa, you know, with large, you know, uh, communication satellite with coverage over the entire continent and even outside of the continent. So, uh, and then in addition to this, there are like, um, you know, foreign players that are also like playing in the industry. Companies like Intelsa, like Utelsa, like SCS, Yasa, and the like. So there's like enough coverage. I think especially for communication satellites, it's the competition is about building the best use case. And yeah. Let's let's come back to the, the Earth observation data. Okay, so like yes, I understand that's that's great if you have access to the Copernicus data. So let me ask you the other way then. Is there is there enough people who are analyzing the data for the various use cases you mentioned? Good question. I think the, the answer is probably no. So currently there are like 13,500 people working in the industry value chain. And if you look at a continent as big as Africa, you you know that number is very small. So no, there is none. We don't have enough professionals that are able to analyze this data. And you know this is the reason why there's a lot of capacity development programs, trainings around Earth observation actually going on across Africa. You know, just trying to like get people to know how to use this data, how to analyze this data, and how to apply them into like various industries. And but currently we don't we don't have enough professionals around this. End. So the other problem with this is that, you know, if you're trying to, like, get people to come work in an industry, even if you're training them, you have to, after training them, you have to provide jobs for them. And because majority of the institutions that are capitalizing on this data are, like, government institutions, there's, like, like a limit to, you know, the number of hires they can make and all of that. So, like, personally, I've seen, like, young people come in to, like, you know, lend your special tools or even, like, get a degree in it, but, you know, sometimes are unable to secure a job in the industry and they just, like, go work in, like, other sectors. So to cope this, there's need for, like, you know, more private companies to develop use cases for these and build, like, business cases around it. We already have, like, Companies that are doing this across Africa, there are like over 200 geospatial companies across Africa, but that's still not enough. So we've, we we need like, you know, more com companies to, more people to set up companies to capitalize on this data for applications and like different industries so that it can provide like opportunities for professionals in the industry. How, how does it look on the, on the educational side? I mean, you obviously need to sort of produce the, the talent in the first place and you mentioned you yourself. You went to to uh, Strathclyde in Scotland, Scotland, which is a great university, right? But it's not it's not in Africa. Is there is there enough educational programs? No, no, there, there are not enough educational programs. There are very few universities in Africa that actually offer space related courses. So, and you know, when I say space related courses, I'm talking of both the engineering side of things, the policy side of things, and like the application and science side of things. So, there are like very few universities in Africa. That, that offer this and that's why you see a lot of people like travel abroad for studies and the problem with this model is that sometimes when they travel they don't come back yes uh, and you know that's that, that does not help. So there is need for Africa to be like capacity program. I mean, yeah, we, we're seeing like growth around this. There are universities that are now trying to develop programs around even design. There's an existing African Union driven program 
to address the capacity development issue through the Pan-African University for Space Science and Technology. So the university is still like under review, they're still trying to like set it up, but this is also one of the problems that the university is trying to address to actually train people in Africa to work in Africa. Mm-hmm. And then on, on, on the other end, so when it comes to actually, you, you know, trying to build a business and work on some of these use cases that, that you mentioned, and I agree, there should be so many use cases in Africa. Just, I mean, just agriculture should be so big and then things like mining and oil and gas and like you said, infrastructure surveillance and all of that. Do, do the people in the potential customer industries actually understand space? Like, you know, for example, it is, there's many farmers in Africa, but do they understand the potential benefits of of, uh, of observation data? Yeah, there is, you know, there is a lot of sensitization going on around that. You know, I, I mean, especially when you're dealing with rural farmers, you don't you don't just take technologies to them. You need to, you, there's need for like a lot of training to actually get them to understand the technology and then to convince them to actually use the technology. So yeah, there are like a lot of projects across Africa that is trying to address this. An example is actually like the GMS and Africa projects. So, you know, they're addressing problems in agriculture, in marine, in coastal studies and all of that. And, you know, reaching these professionals that do not understand the technology is like one of the major things that they're doing. Although this is a government-driven program, but if you move on to like the commercial side of things, yeah, I think some of the institutions understand the technology. They just need... You know, maybe they need institutions to come and convince them to to capitalize on those technologies for their operations. And, you know, we're already, like, seeing growth in this. Take, for example, in the past three, four years, there's, like, a lot of companies that are now using space technologies in insurance, you know, which is, like, very good. So even, like, a lot of startups that we're seeing nowadays, these are startups that are now capitalizing on space technologies for their operations, like, some of them work in the agri sector, some of them work in marine, some of them work in insurance and, and things like that. So, yeah, the, the growth is a bit slow, but uh, that sector is developing. I guess agriculture, thinking about it, it's also difficult because then you have very often many small farmers and it's fragmented. So let me ask you about another industry. So um, there's obviously also some use cases for space data in, in oil and gas. And you have like really big companies. I think like in Nigeria, you have the, um, what's it called? The Nigerian, I think, National Petroleum Corporation, I think it is. How about some companies like that? Have they started looking at space? Yes. Some of these uh, institutions even have like departments that are that are working around this, like uh, whether it is geology or geophysics or, mm-hmm. yeah. So there's like a lot of, even when I was in the university, we like, you know, so many people researching around this. So there's a a lot of use cases around this, like governments, not just governments, but like commercial companies are, they're doing this, they're capitalizing on the technology. I mean, for a lot of sectors, it's all about optimizing operations and improving efficiency. So, and if space technology is going to offer solutions around that, then why won't they do that? And so we talked a lot about about remote sensing or Earth observation, as it's sometimes called. Um, let's come back just a minute to to satellite communications, which you already mentioned that there's quite a few players who are active. You mentioned a few players who are you know, very active in, in sort of traditional uh, 
it's called their traditional sort of geo-based setcom like SES and the um, Asset and so forth. What about some of the sort of upcoming constellations? Is there are there interesting use cases for Africa? Like are Africans looking forward to maybe having you know things like uh, Starlink and Project Kuiper? Could that help with things like you know remote education, or do you think that's going to be more of a thing for the developed for the more developed world? Um, okay, so not to brag, but. I think any company that is developing global constellations around communication, today that is not thinking of Africa is not serious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so whether it is Starlink or OneWeb or the Kuiper one with, with Amazon or yeah. something, it doesn't matter where you are. You have to think about Africa because that's like where the, uh, you know, the biggest need is. You know, probably like half of Africa is not connected to the internet. Mm -hmm. So and then you've got like that giant population of of the young people. You have to develop your product and services to address that. In fact, the, the first before OneWeb declared bankruptcy last year, one of the areas that they focused on was Africa. They had signed so many deals in Africa to provide coverage to like different regions. See, they they even got even the Rwanda government was even like one of their investors. They participated in one of their runs, and then they 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 worked on one satellite for coverage for for Rwanda. Um, I've forgotten the name of the satellite now. But the point is, all of these countries, all of these companies, they're thinking about Africa, and they have to think about Africa because there's, like, lots of use cases in Africa. Yeah, so, and I expect this to grow. Uh, the only problem with this is that in in exploring the African market, they, they have to work with their pricing. Yeah. Uh, you know, because like they, they they're not just competing with you know existing SATCOM providers in the continent, but they're gonna be competing with like you know fiber, you know, connectivity and all of that. And that's gonna be tough on them. So yeah, um, but yeah, they all have to look at Africa for whatever that they're trying to develop. Yeah, and, and you correctly mentioned the pricing. So it's the pricing for the service as such, but also things like, you know, the, the user terminal, I, you know, charging like $500 for a user terminal, I think in most African countries is, is going to be difficult. I guess you could do these models where you have a community that gets together and has one access point and then within the community, you to everybody. Yeah, yeah I mean, there, there's money in the sector in Africa. Uh, take Utelsat, for example. Utelsat makes over $100 million in Africa. Mm -hmm every year they don't even do much and they make that much money so these new providers they just they just need to understand the market basically and you know understand that the competition in africa is not like it is in europe or in america um you know in america people can be crazy about starlink and just like pay like 500 dollars just to have a terminal mm -hmm. or something nobody's going to do that in africa how about a, another form of satellite communications is, is the sort of the internet of things connectivity does that have potential in Africa as well? Yeah, of course. Uh, we even have an African company that is working around that. Telnet is a Tunisian uh, telecommunications company. Last month, they actually launched Tunisia's first satellite called Challenge One. And it was like an IoT satellite. And it was like a pilot test for a constellation of 30 satellites to provide connectivity for Tunisia and you know neighboring regions. So yeah, there's like use cases of this. And not just use cases of like foreign companies in Africa, but use cases of African companies actually developing the technology. Okay, let's let's talk a little bit about those companies. So, 
How many, roughly how many space startups do you think are there in Africa right now? New space company. I mean, in 2019, we we did a study on that and we, we wrote about 30, I think 34 companies mm -hmm. uh, in the industry value chain. But I think that has, we, we've seen like more companies since then. So right now, I would say maybe around 50 companies. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are around 50 companies, new space companies in Africa that are actually developing technology, uh, you know, in the industry value chain. So whether it is communications, whether it is earth observation, whether it is small satellites or, you know, rocket system or whatever. Yeah, but as you said before, Africa is a, is a very big place with, with a lot of people and, you know, we have really interesting potential use cases. So 50 is, is not a lot. What do you think is the main the main thing holding it back? Is it is it the talent? Uh, is it the lack of um, financing? Is it lack of information? Okay, I think I can. There are like three problems around. Number one is the policy. Um, so some of the countries have national policies that do not support the existence of these companies. So that's a major problem. That's one. Number two is the funding. It's kind of like tough to raise uh, funding as a space startup in, in Africa, mm -hmm. you know, because like investors in Africa do not fully understand the industry. I mean, they are fine with investing in like some of these foreign companies, but they don't understand or they don't have much belief in, in African technologies in the space industry. And this is a problem. And that's why majority of the companies in Africa, they are either bootstrapping or raising funds from mostly from Europe. The last thing is the, you know, the, the challenge with the technical expertise. There are not a lot of experts. Um, you know, take, for example, there are not enough experts in space systems in Africa to say, oh, you want to set up a company and hire them. So that's also like a problem. And majority of the experts already work for the government. As a private company, it's like difficult to, to get people to work for you even if you're trying to develop. That's even if you're able to secure funding or not. So these are some of the challenges new space companies face in Africa. Understood. Let's strike an optimistic note anyway. So of all of the um, the things we talked about, the different use cases, and a lot of them in Earth observation, some of them in satellite communications, what what has really good traction right now or, or what excites you the most? Um, the, the industry is really growing fast. Um, you know, Africa's, take for example, Africa's space budget is like the fastest uh, growing space budget globally. Like the rate at which it is growing is, is massive if you compare it to like other regions. Um, and the, the like revenue segment of the industry is also growing. In 2018, it was $7.37 billion. And it is estimated that by 2024, revenue from the industry will rise to over $10 billion. It, it provides like a lot of business opportunities, not just for like African players, but for like foreign companies to like explore business opportunities on the continent. And yeah, I mean, in the past two years, we've seen like a lot of, uh, you know, foreign companies trying to explore business opportunities in Africa, which is good. So the industry is growing at a really good rate, you know, just like, I mean, a few problems around, but generally the industry is doing very fine. And in the next couple of years, I think things would even have a better shape. And on that, that fast growing budget you mentioned, which is indeed interesting. I mean, 
is part of that sort of flowing back into this into the startups uh, via that's via you know um, contracts or or grants or equity investments? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, just like it is like globally. I mean, take the US for example. Most of NASA budget goes to contracts like commercial companies, right? So. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like similar in Africa. Uh, most of the budgets go to like technology development company, consulting companies, and, and things like that. Some countries are doing it better than others. Like some countries are also able to like retain the money in the country, while for some like majority of the projects are outsourced. Um, and you know, when I also talk about national space, but this is also different from like the money these guys are spending on like satellite development and all. Like in 2019, um, almost 800 million dollars were spent on satellite development and launched by African countries. You mentioned about 50 new space companies, and I'm sure like like many, if not most people, they're not even aware of who you know who those companies might be. You know, if people wanted to sort of research examples of really interesting African startup new space businesses, what are maybe like two or three examples of companies people could look up? Yeah, I mean, so there there are companies like the new space systems that is developing, you know, satellite components out of South Africa. But generally, I would recommend people to check our report on this. So we've got like a New Space Africa report that actually has the detail of all of these companies. So it's a free report, so people can just Google that and go on our website. They go on spaceinafrica.com slash reports. They would see like all of these reports that detail like the different segments of, of the industry and they can read more about these companies understand the businesses and even be able to contact them. We put your website into the show notes so people can just click on it and go right go right there and see the reports and the news and the other things you have on your website. Uh, speaking about space in Africa, what are your future plans? Like what do you what what would you like to do with the project in the next, I don't know, five years or so? I mean, we're working with a lot of um, national governments and regional governments to, you know, to shape the industry, working with them on, like, different projects. One of the things that we're trying to do is to get African countries to not just understand how to capitalize on space technologies, but to, under, to also understand, like, the business side of things, because that's, like, important. And, you know, in the past, Governments are just okay with like investing money in space technologies and not caring much about like returns and investment and things like that. But now we're like helping a couple of companies to to look into that. We're also supporting a lot of regional projects. We've got like some NDAs, so I can't go into details. But ultimately, our goal as a company is to shape the future of the industry, to show people like where the opportunities lie. And ultimately grow the industry and this is what we'll be doing in the next couple of years are you hiring staff right now uh no we we closed um our hiring process like last month okay no worries okay good um Timita, the, the last question i always ask everybody is is about science fiction and whether you like science fiction and if so is there any particular movies or books or tv series that you like yeah, I think I, I like science fiction. Yeah, my favorite sci-fi movie is, I don't know. <laughs> I've got like so many of them, but, you know. Uh, but generally, I'm I'm fine with, you know, any movie that, you know, sort of like depicts the future. Uh, 
you know, because it is like a lot of ideas that we get from them. And yeah, that's it. Thank you so much for, for coming onto the show and teaching us a little bit about what's happening in, in space in Africa. Again, I think that a lot of people are not aware and it seems like there's really good potential. And so, and so that's, that's great for people to be aware of the, the opportunities. And good luck with space in Africa in the future. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Well, that's it for another nominal episode of the Space Business Podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider giving it a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform, such as iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore space. Also consider supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash space business podcast. If the podcast got you interested in learning more about the business opportunities in the space economy, check out my new online course on space entrepreneurship on udemy.com. The link is in the episode description. Lastly, if you have any feedback, including ideas for guests, and that may include yourself if you have an exciting space story to tell, or interested in being a sponsor, drop us an email at spacebusinesspodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to seeing you for the next episode.